You are not alone. I'm here with you. Those powerful words quite literally saved and changed the life of a man who was contemplating suicide. You have the job and you start tomorrow. Those powerful words changed the life of a man who lost his job early on during the pandemic and was struggling to provide for his family. You're pregnant. Those words changed the life of a couple who was told they were unable to conceive and had given up the dream of ever starting a family. Son, your sins are forgiven. Those powerful words quite literally changed the life of a paralyzed man lying on a mat. Those powerful words had the power and the ability to remove all the shame and the guilt that he had carried around for so long because, you see, in his day, there was a widespread belief that, that if you had an ailment like paralysis or some sort of disease like leprosy, that the reason you had those things was, was because you did something so bad, such a grievous sin that God was now punishing you. And when a man like that was lying on a mat on a street corner begging for anything that would help him take care of his daily needs, well, the people would whisper. They would talk among themselves and they would, they would ask, what, what could a man like that have done to deserve such a punishment? Because a paralyzed limb, that's one thing, but losing total control of your body and even your voice, well, he must have done something pretty bad. In those days, there was no electric wheelchairs, no motorized thing to be able to get a person like that around. So a paralyzed man, like the one lying on the mat, well, he had to be cared for by family and by friends. He had to have people provide him with food and water and even take care of the basic daily needs that you and I so, so often take for granted that we can do for ourselves. And so a paralyzed man like that was often looked at as a burden by the family and friends who once loved him and took care of him. And he would end up ostracized and, and set away from all of those who once loved him. And though this man was paralyzed, he was also very blessed because this man had four friends, four friends who loved him, four friends who watched out for him, four friends who cared for his daily needs. And one day those four friends, they hear a rumor, a rumor that Jesus of Nazareth is back in Capernaum. They had heard the, the things that Jesus had done, that he teached and he taught with unparalleled authority, that he was the guy who would speak these powerful words and even the demons. Even the demons would shudder and they would obey him. This was the guy who even healed the mother-in-law of that hometown boy, Simon Peter. And so when they heard the rumor that Jesus was back, they knew that this was the one guy. If there was anybody in this world, this is the one guy who would be able to help their paralyzed friends. So they grab his mat, one on each corner, and they take him to the house where Jesus is located. But it's too late. The house is already packed full with people clamoring to hear Jesus preach the word to them. And it's not just that the house is full, but they're spilling out of the doorway, trying to catch a glimpse of this man, trying to incline their ears to listen to the things that he has to say. There are so many people that they're even spilling out into the streets of Capernaum, and there is no way for their, those four friends to get the paralyzed man in. But they don't let this deter their faith. And instead, they find another way, don't they? They find a staircase that leads up to the roof of the house and Layer by layer, they peel back the pitch and the clay, creating a hole in the roof. And in the midst of this crowd, right in front of Jesus, they lower their paralyzed friend right before him, right before the man that they had heard could do such wonderful things. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to that man those five powerful words that quite literally changed his life. Son, 
Your sins are forgiven. You and I, we understand that words in this world carry power, an immense amount of power. And it's not just words that others speak. It's words that you speak. A single word or phrase can quite literally alter the course of history and alter your life, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But I think we all get that the things that we say, the words that we speak, carry weight and meaning and have a whole lot of power behind them. But do we always think, do we always think that Jesus' words, that Jesus' words have that kind of power? Do we always fully believe that the words that Jesus speaks to us and for us have power over our life and in our hearts and for our eternities? Or, or are there times in our life when we adopt the attitude of those teachers of the law that we find in Mark chapter 2? A, men who, a group of men who didn't believe that Jesus' words had any power at all. You see this group of religious officials, these teachers of the law, they were packed into that house along with many other people from Capernaum. And they saw everything. They, they saw and heard Jesus preach. They heard the, root, the hole being torn open in the roof. They had the dust fall on their shoulders. They saw as this paralyzed man was lowered down on the mat in front of Jesus. And then they heard the words that he spoke. These men, the whole reason that they were there in the first place, or I should say, do you know why they were there in the first place? It wasn't to really hear Jesus preach. It was because they were nervous. They were nervous that this man, this street preacher from Nazareth, was gathering such crowds and popularity and that he was teaching and preaching without any authority coming from them. He was doing this all on his own accord. But their nervousness soon gave way to immense anxiety and stress when they heard those words that Jesus spoke to this paralyzed man's son, your sins are forgiven. And immediately after they heard those words, they began to reason individually, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, these men reasoned that there was only one person who could actually forgive sins. It was God. And this man surely isn't God. And so therefore, he has no power to be doing the thing that he is saying. And therefore, his words don't actually carry any power. These men reasoned among themselves that the only power that those words, son, your sins are forgiven, carried that day was to bring a charge of blasphemy on his head. Because this man was claiming to be God and claiming to have the divine right and authority to do something that only God can do, to forgive sins. Did you catch what it was that led these teachers of the law to their conclusion? The NIV translation that we're using in our service folders this morning, it kind of misses the mark a little bit when it says they were thinking to themselves. Really what it means is they were reasoning. The thing that led them to their conclusion was reason. Human reason. You see, these were men who thought they had everything figured out. These were guys who had devoted their lives to the study of God's law. They spent a considerable amount of time, not just in their studies, studying the law of God, but also teaching it and applying it to the hearts of others. So, so they thought they had enough stuff figured out, and their human reason led them to the only logical conclusion that human reason in that moment could lead them to, that this man was not God. Therefore, he could not forgive sin, and his words did not carry any power. You and I, sometimes, I think, in our walks of faith, can find ourselves in that same exact position as those teachers of the law. When we let human reason get, get a hold of our faith, when human reason ends up being in charge of our faith instead of the other way around, faith being in charge of our human reason. And when human reason gets placed in charge of faith, when it becomes the master of our faith, well, it leads to us doubting 
all kinds of things, and specifically the power that Jesus' words have in our life. Like, how can the words spoken over me at my baptism have any power to change my heart and to change my eternity? How can those simple words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, make what was dead alive? How can it make me an heir to a kingdom of God's grace? Well, human reason can't quite figure it out. So then the doubt sets in. Doubt that those words have no real power at all. How can those words that we hear about every other Sunday, this is my body and this is my blood, connected with the bread and the wine, actually assure me and tell me that I am receiving Jesus' true body and blood and therefore the forgiveness of sins. Human reason can't wrap our minds around that. And so when we can't wrap, human reason can't wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus' body and blood are present in, with, and under the bread and the wine, the doubt sets in and we begin to think that what we're actually receiving isn't the actual thing that the Word of God promises and therefore the Word of God has no power. How can those words that my pastor says to me every single Sunday. I say to you what your God says to you. Your sins are all forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How can those words have any power to deal with the guilt and the burden that I carry around in my life from the things I did yesterday or last week or last month or last year? Human reason can't reason through it, and so it doubts that those words have any real power. This is the problem with human reason, though, isn't it? The reality of human reason is that it's faulty. Human reason, by its very definition, can only deal with things that are knowable. Human reason can only deal with the things that we can experience with our senses, what we can see, what we can touch, what we can taste. But when human reason starts to dabble in matters that really can only be dealt with in faith, this is where we end up in a whole mess of trouble. Because when human reason becomes the master of your faith, just like it was for the teachers of the law, instead of the proper way that faith is the master of our human reason, well, then not only do we begin to doubt that Jesus' words have any power for us, but we also can reason ourselves into disbelief or unbelief when it comes to all sorts of things about Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. Human reason, it is one of the greatest gifts that our Creator has given to us, hands down. It is one of the many things that marks us out as different from the rest of God's creation. It is one of the many things that marks us as the crown jewel of God's creation. But like the rest of creation and our own hearts and our own lives and our bodies, human reason is corrupted by sin. And this is the reason why some people call human reason the devil's bride, that it is this thing that is dressed for battle to go or dressed to go out to battle against the gospel, the very powerful words of Jesus. And when the devil gets a hold of your human reason, he gets you to say things like the teachers of the law did. Why does this man speak like this? Because the whole thing that Satan is trying to do is to, to get you to call into question just enough, just enough the power of Jesus' words that you begin to call into question everything else, everything else that Jesus has said to you. The very promises of the gospel that tell you your sins are forgiven, that tell you that heaven stands open, Satan wants you to do nothing else than to question all of the powerful words and promises that your God has made to you, the very wisdom and power of God found in the gospel. Look, I've been there in life. I know what it's like to have my walk of faith clouded with all sorts of doubt. I know what it's like to walk hand in hand down the aisle with the devil's bride, human reason, and to wonder if the word of God, the very power of God, has anything 
has any effect on my heart and on my life and even on that of others. When I find myself in that part of the, my clouded walk of faith, I'm so thankful that my God and your God has given you and me an account like this in Mark chapter 2. Because in this account, Jesus quite literally confronts all of our doubts about the power of his word and he shows us. And he shows us that the, the things human reason tells us are impossible. The things that men can't figure out. He shows us that with him, they actually are possible. Because nothing is impossible with God. Now Jesus, he knew what those religious leaders were, were reasoning in their hearts and in their minds. It's not because these men said anything out loud or were having this huge discussion among themselves. It's because Jesus is God, which means he's all-knowing, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Because this is the very thing that the religious leaders were accusing him of not being. Jesus is God, and they were saying he is not God. And so because Jesus knows that this is exactly what they're thinking, he addresses them, and it's not just like, it's not the kind of thing where he pulls them all aside and has a little quiet conversation in the corner. He says this in full earshot of everybody. He says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say? To the paralytic, is, is it easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Jesus actually presents us with this uh, reflective question, right? Which is easier to say? It's certainly easier to say that your sins are forgiven, isn't it? Because nobody can disprove it. Nobody has the ability except for God alone to look into your neighbor's heart to see those sins gone. No human being has the ability to enter into the throne room of God to see if those sins really are blotted out and that God is really remembering them no more. That is certainly the easier thing to say, especially compared to healing a permanent paralysis, right? Because if a man were to say, take up or get up, take your mat and go home, and the paralysis didn't or wasn't removed, and that man keeps lying there on the mat, well, then it's an utter embarrassment for the one who uttered those words. It is a disappointment to the one who came in search of healing, and it is entertaining for all of those who saw this man fail. It's certainly easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven, than it is to say, get up, take your mat, and go home. What Jesus actually presents in this question is not just a reflective question, but he presents impossibilities. It certainly is impossible for man alone to forgive sins, just as the teachers of the law reasoned. It is also impossible for man on their own to tell a paralytic or to heal a permanent disease by just saying to somebody, get up, take your mat, and go home. But Jesus shows us this. Jesus shows us this for a simple reason, to show that his words have power. Because he actually answers his own question, doesn't he? He says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. And he turns to the paralytic. He says, get up. Take your mat and go home. And this man got up in full view of everyone. He took his mat and he did what, he, what had been impossible for him to do for so many years. He walked. He did this in full view of everyone. And everyone who saw it was amazed and were led to praise God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. That day, Jesus did the impossible, not just once, but twice. He uttered those powerful words that changed the spiritual nature of that man, saying, Sons, your, son, your sins are forgiven. Impossible for man to do, but possible with God, right? He did the impossible twice when he, he told that man, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
And he didn't do this with a fancy show. He just simply did it by the power of his words. That day, a man had his life changed simply by the power of Jesus' words. He had a faith planted in his heart and was assured that right here on this earth, at this very moment, his sins are forgiven on earth as they are in heaven. This man also had his physical life changed, didn't he? Because Jesus said to him, get up, take your mat and go home. And this man had his life totally turned upside down by being able to do the thing he hadn't been able to do for years. He had his life totally changed by the power of Jesus' words. That day, the, the crowds that were gathered there had their hearts and their lives changed because they heard in the flesh the Son of God speaking his powerful word, and they were led to praise God through that word for everything they had seen. That day, part of the powerful words that Jesus spoke was this sentence, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins so that you may know. I want you to understand that those words, they aren't just spoken to the paralytic. They aren't just spoken to the teachers of the law. They aren't just spoken to the crowds that were gathered. They are spoken to you and to me. It's like through these words, Jesus is reaching out through his word and he is shaking loose all of the doubt that you and I have about Jesus' words having any sort of power over our lives. It's like he is, he is reaching out and he is strengthening our faith so that you may know that the very words that your God speaks to your heart, that when your God says to you, your sins are forgiven, it means that they are. When your God says to you that heaven stands open, that he means it, that Jesus' words to you have power. Because the last thing, the last thing that your Savior wants, the last thing that your Savior wants is for you to have such a, to have a faith that is so clouded in doubt that you lose sight of how powerful Jesus' word actually is. Because human reason, whether we like it or not, it can't always wrestle through and reason through the, the promises that our God makes to us. But that doesn't mean that they aren't true, does it? And this is the beauty of the gospel. That no matter how much human reason is faulty, no matter how much you and I are clouded with doubt in this world and in this life, the gospel remains the same. It never changes. The gospel remains as powerful for you today as the very first day that God spoke it to your heart, as the very first day that God gave it to this world. And while we may doubt, the gospel doesn't change. Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks about this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, but in Jesus it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What's Paul's point? His point is that all of the powerful words that he speaks to you, all of the promises that your God makes to you, they are all found and fulfilled and have their power realized in the perfect, holy, innocent Son of God who lived for you, who died for you, who rose for you. And though human reason might try to make a mess of that, Paul sets us straight. He says, all of God's promises to you are yes. They're all yes. Jesus is God's amen to you. God's yes, let it be so. So in those days when, when your sin is weighing you down and you feel like you just can't get up, Jesus' powerful words, they come to you. He says, child, your sins are forgiven. Take hold of me and get up 
and continue to walk with me toward heaven. On those days when Satan is using your past to haunt your present, Jesus' powerful words, they come to you. He says, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own name's sake, and I remember your sins no more. Those are Jesus' powerful words to you, to each and every one of you. And whether we realize it or not, these powerful words that Jesus has spoken to your hearts, he has given them to you to carry out into the world. Every single day, he has given them to you to carry into your workplaces, to teach to your children, to lay on friends who are suffering and lost. And I know there are times in life where we doubt whether what we say or what we do has any effect on the lives of those around us. I feel that way sometimes too. But God assures you that what you do and what you say actually does have effect every single time because the words that you carry around in your heart that inspire every action that you take that flow off of your lips, they are not your words alone. They are the powerful words that Jesus has spoken to your heart and that he has given to, given to you to carry out in this world. And Jesus... He uses you. He uses you in that powerful word he has given, like he used the four friends to bring that man before him, that paralyzed man. He uses you to speak those words to that suffering friend or that lost coworker, that person who in this life is so lost that they don't even know which way is up and they can't even figure out what direction their life is going. Jesus uses you to speak his powerful word to their heart and he means those words to have an effect on their lives just like it has on your life. Now, you and I, because we live in a sinful world, because we are a people who are sinners, we'll probably always struggle with doubt. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's probably true. We will always struggle with doubt. But I want to remind you of the power of the gospel and the beauty of that gospel. That it never changes. And that means that the power behind those words, the power of Jesus, never changes. So I pray that God would grant you the strength, would grant you the strength of faith that assails all of the doubts and that he, that he gives you a, a confident, confident trust. A trust that always understands that the power of Jesus' words remain powerful, that they are powerful for your life and for your heart and for your eternity and for that of those that God puts into your life. Amen.